Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Happy Friday, Evo. Happy Friday, Gina. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done this. Yeah. So today we're talking about generational wealth with a focus on, you know, primarily people of color. Because that's what we are. And this conversation kind of spawns off of a TikTok video that I saw that doesn't necessarily speak exactly about generational wealth but it had me thinking about generational wealth so i'm going to give you like a little synopsis of what the tiktok was about so that maybe people can understand why this got my wheels turning so i saw this tiktok where a guy duetted another person's video and if you don't know what duet means it basically means a one video starts and then someone cuts it and then it goes to another content creator and the first video was of a guy going bro if you're 18 you need to move out of your parents house and and it cuts to a black guy and he starts saying don't do that if you have a home to house your children let your children stay there he was like i didn't buy a house as big as i did to tell my kids at 18 that they have to leave and i completely felt him on that because that's something that you and i did which is we bought a home to house our entire family we have three children and now we actually have one of our children's partners also living with us we have a full house and it's one of the best feelings for me i don't know about evo sometimes (laughs) and i honestly couldn't imagine it any other way i could not even fathom having my children leave this house to go out to struggle so the reason why it got me thinking about generational wealth is because when i went into the comments because that's what i do a lot of people are talking about how this happens a lot in families of color that they're in an environment when they're growing up and when they get to a certain age, primarily 18 or just or sometimes even earlier, where they're being pushed out of their homes and they're out there struggling to make a life for themselves. And I firsthand can identify with that because I left my house at 18 and I struggled for a very long time and I couldn't even wrap my head around the concept of what the hell generational wealth was to begin with. And that's because I was just trying to survive. So the thought of building for my future did not come until recent times. So I thought it would be cool for us to talk about like what generational wealth means, what it can do for your family, what it can do for you, and maybe how you can embark on it. Even if you're not a person of color and you don't have that information readily available, I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about it from our perspective and maybe some information that we can give so what is what is generational wealth to you so um you and i actually kind of spoke about this previously kind of got into a debate a little bit about it but i said to you i thought generational wealth was something that could be passed down to your children whether it be tangible or non-tangible so tangible would mean assets financial you know money and then i consider the non-tangible knowledge and your education to them which basically is knowledge so that's how i defined it what i said to you was Mm. by definition generational wealth is uh passing down of an asset to the next generation whether it be you know what is an asset right whether it be stocks bonds real estate um, a business of some sort mm. but it turns out that that is a very old definition 
of generational wealth. And there's a kind of a new way of thinking when it comes to generational wealth and what it means to pass on generational wealth. And that is more of the mindset of what you described. Oh, so I wasn't wrong. There you was left some, that part out. There was some truth. I t- thought I'd save it for the episode. Oh, there shit. Was, you got me. <laughs> there was some truth to what it is that you were saying. There, you know, being able to pass down education so that the next generation is able to make better decisions about their future would be considered a type of general a type of generational wealth yeah and that would be what i would say that it's the it's the non-tangible like you actually can't unless you're writing it down and handing it to them but if you're verbalizing it to them it's you know you can't touch that yeah i mean when it comes to assets there is a webster's dictionary definition of what assets are Mm -hmm. i mean assets are things of value that are tangible but knowledge is also valuable too and some would consider knowledge to be priceless i would agree and an asset in some cases to be passed down and depending on what the knowledge is i mean it could really set your family up you know open doors for them that otherwise other people you know wouldn't be able to open mm-hmm. so the information can be very valuable and i can you know so it definitely can be considered a form of generational wealth Okay, cool. I feel good about that then. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, wealth, in, in other words, also can be defined by the amount of assets that a person has, mm. um, a community has, mm. a company has, or a business has. So, I guess the big question is, do we have or do you have the ability to pass down generational wealth to your children? And I feel like this term, generational wealth, can weigh heavy on people at times. A lot of people may think that they don't have anything to pass on, so therefore there is no effort to do so. But I feel that if you're, depending on what your mindset is and how you live your lifestyle, may determine on whether you have something to pass on to your to, to the generation that's following you so if you're the type of person that lives above your means then it's going to be hard for you to acquire anything or to build any assets to be able to pass down to the generation that follows you <clears throat> uh, some people may feel like they need to be wealthy like wealth needs to be in their family in order for them to be able to pass down generational wealth and because they don't have it in their family there's nothing to pass down so they you know kind of like check themselves out of like the whole ability to be able to do so but i mean what is wealth right wealth is having an abundance of something now when you look at it like that anybody who's living below their means is in abundance of whatever it is that they have coming in so yes absolutely without a doubt you have the ability to pass down generational wealth to your children even if it's in the form of a stock or a couple stocks that you that you bought that pay dividends may not pay much may not make you know life-changing financial difference in somebody's life but it's something it's something that generates money. It's something that's worth value. And it's something that you can pass down that your generation can build off of. 
So I think it's important to be able to look at yourself to know that even though you may not be able to pass down generational wealth in the in the aspect of what you think it is, right? Where you're passing down assets, like physical assets, physical assets, or just an, an enormous amount of money that's life changing to somebody, right? Know that at some point, that idea that you have of this enormous amount of money that needs to be passed down from one generation to another to be able to be considered generational wealth started at zero somewhere. There was somebody somewhere in that family before the generational wealth ever existed in that family that started putting pennies together, that, that maybe saw some other family that had wealth and wanted to acquire that for their own family and started this momentum of building generational wealth. It's called generational because it takes generations for it to actually be a thing. Mm -hmm. So you may be the seed that starts to grow within the gen your own generations to come and pass that down for the generations to come after you. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Regarding the seed aspect, because that was something that you and I kind of bunted heads on behind yeah. the scenes. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that all seeds start at the same position? Do the I inception of the seed. So I guess the argument is the chicken is the chicken before the egg, the egg before the chicken. So I guess what I'm asking you is, Different seeds grow in different environments and they have different, because those environments can be different, some of the environments that some of these seeds may have an inception of are more harsh than others. Mm -hmm. So do you think that all seeds start out with the same, like, zero? No. No, I mean, <clears throat> I, well, all seeds, so do I feel like all seeds start off with zero, right? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like, so I guess, but I just want to be clear. You're asking me, do all, does all generational wealth, no matter which family they come from, mm -hmm. do they all start at zero? Yeah, because you started off by saying like there was the seed and somebody put their pennies together mm -hmm. and that's, you know, generations later it is becomes wealth right. so those pennies that are being put together by that seed are all those seeds starting off the same i like to believe that at some point yes mm. i like to believe let's let's take and i don't know this for a fact i'm just using this uh for, as an example but let's take like rockefeller right well-known name mm -hmm. generational wealth if you had to ask yourself where did that family's wealth start from was it they just magically were born into it from the start mm -hmm. from the from the beginning of the bloodline mm -hmm. did the bloodline just in, from the first inception was that they were just rolling in wealth mm -hmm. i would like to think that somehow it was created at some point so at that point it was zero okay so that's just my theory on it <laughs> no, I, I asked you this question because I think you very well know that I feel the complete opposite about that. Yeah. 
I feel that not every seed is starting at zero. I think some of the environments that these people are beginning upon their generational wealth journey starts off very different for very different people, whether it's the beginning or not. So that's why I wanted to like just ask you like what your thought process on that was. Well, <clears throat> I believe what you're speaking about is someone being born into money. No. That's, so then that's not what I mean. And then I'm not I'm not understanding what it is that you mean by some people are born into I'm sorry, can you say that again? So I guess what I was asking you is you believe I wanted to clarify that you believe that when the process of generational wealth begins with whichever family member it is, they start at zero. They create something that generations later creates that wealth. Yes, at some point they made the decision to start making choices that will benefit that will benefit their family. They start making choices that will benefit their family. And so that is the that is ground zero for the trajectory of the generational wealth in that family. Okay. But then I asked you, do you believe that every beginning starts the same? Like everybody's beginning, it's always at, like the zero is always the same for everybody. And well, you mean, said it's, yes. It just depends on what you're defining as zero. I mean, it's what I, what I call zero, I call the first choice. Mm-hmm. The actual first choice within that family to start making decisions that will generate that will that will benefit the generations to come. Mm -hmm. At some point, somebody decided to make a choice that changed the, the trajectory of that family's, you know, finances. Yeah. So then you gave the example of Rockefeller of like, at you know, how did the inception of the Rockefeller dynasty basically? Mm -hmm start it started someone one rockefeller somewhere down the tree line because i don't know the history accurately someone down the line decided to make a choice that changed the trajectory of their life so i guess what i'm getting at is that every inception and journey whether it starts at zero or not is not the same for every person by in my eyes by any means because some people who using Rockefeller for example even if they started with nothing there were certain barriers that were not put in place to prevent them to create that trajectory where there are some families that when they want to make that change there are things put in place that prevent them from creating that trajectory so their journey from zero to wealth is very different yes I never see I never said that their journeys were the same I just said that they all start at zero so I this is where you and I got into it and I said I don't believe they're beginning to be zero I believe them to start on a plus because they're afforded different opportunities even from their zero I'm just I'm speaking financially like finance like as far as numbers wise goes mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the opportunities that are presented to that person throughout their lifestyle based on wherever it is that they born or where they live mm -hmm. you know how some people are more oppressed than others based on you know geographically where they reside i'm mm -hmm. just talking about whenever the decision was made to start making to start doing things that financially benefited the family generational generationally mm -hmm. 
that at some point it would that like there was nothing moving forward to, for the family like there was nothing being decided to be passed on to the next generation at that point so as far as generational wealth that at that point it was zero yeah so that's the point that i was well i believe that there are some families that they at zero will make that decision to try to implement that change and then never make it out of zero Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. So I don't believe that everybody starts off at the same zero. So that's why I was saying the environment. I asked you, regardless of the environment, is the zero the same? And you said yes. And I know for a fact that the zero is not the same, especially depending on the environment. So if we're even going to talk about it like on a metaphorical basis if you're thinking about one plant versus another or one seed versus another if you put the same seed and you put one in the desert and you put one in a very fertile soil their the growth of them is going to be very different so to me that inception of that seed is not the same even though it may be the same seed that thought of change is not the same my point is is that they all start at a, at a seed I get that. That's but, that, but that's the point that I'm trying to make. This mm -hmm. is the point that I was trying to make to you. Yeah. It was a usual question that you asked me earlier, mm -hmm. is that they all start at nothing, whether one flourishes and one struggles and, you know, and grows up in an environment full of infestation and weeds, you know, and, you know, doesn't have any nutrients to, to you know, to aid it in its growth. Mm -hmm. And it grows like almost nothing as where the, the other one skyrockets. That's, you know, that's totally just situational based on the environment that that seed is in. Well, I wouldn't consider it situational when it comes to actual people. I think there are actual things put in place that make it so that they are not successful in obtaining generational wealth. So I don't want to divert the conversation too much. I was just wondering. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to make that clear that Evo and I are on different planes on this but that's okay. I think it's great for us to have a difference of opinion because then these different these conversations are born this yeah. way. But well, continue for me. So, well, I guess what I was saying was that you know I was trying to list examples on ways that you can pass down generational wealth without thinking that it needs to be something monumental, mm. without you know separating yourself from this idea that in order to pass down generational wealth to your family you need to be loaded or you need to have had generational wealth passed down from you and you know to you from your family the idea that you know that that people feel that without that they can't do it they're robbing themselves and their and their children the opportunity to have anything passed on to them by just thinking that they can't mm -hmm. and what the examples that I was given as far as you know living below your means just by living below your means you'll be in abundance of the things that you're the money that you're bringing in so having an abundance of money you'll be able to buy certain things that may benefit your children that you can pass on and that will be generational wealth now not everybody has that chance not everybody can live below their means right so another thing that you can pass down which is to what you were mentioning before is education if you don't have the means if you don't have the means to financially put money aside, then at the least educate yourself on finances. If not for your children, for you. I think everybody should do some type of self-educating on finances so that they can manage their money in a way that benefits them. That knowledge in itself is something that can be passed down to your children because a lot of kids aren't spoken to about finance. 
And why do you think that is? I think that money is a hard conversation to have. And I think that if you're not good with money, it's hard to have a conversation with your children about how to manage money. That's a that's a very valid point. You know, so... But do you think that there's an additional reasons as to why children are not having conversations with their parents or parents having conversations with their children about financial literacy? I believe that, again... Speaking about money is, in some cases, considered taboo. You know, you don't talk about money. Um, and for some parents, answering questions that they may not know the answer to, to their kids about money may be difficult. Mm. So therefore, again, if they're having trouble managing their own money, it's probably not something that they're going to just openly talk to, you know, talk to their kids about. But that's why it's important to self-educate yourself on money. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have kids and you don't have the means to pass down quote unquote generational wealth, know that knowledge is priceless. And that's something that you can you, you, you can acquire for yourself even in the simplest ways. If you're just managing your savings account and your checking account in a way where, you know, you're not you're you know, you're never bouncing a check, you know, mm -hmm. where you're budgeting yourself in a way where every month you have what you need to get by. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents didn't teach me budgeting. My parents didn't teach me about checking, you know, checking accounts and things like that. So learning these things and then having an open conversation with your kids about it, I think it's important because it creates an environment where in the future they feel comfortable coming to you to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. Any questions that they may have, they'll know that there's been open conversation in the past between you and them on this topic and feel more comfortable in coming to you to speak to you about these things. But it starts with you. It starts with you as a person. Okay. So I just really wanted to point these things out because I know for a long time in my life, I felt like generational wealth was just something that wasn't, was it wasn't in the cards for me. I, I feel the same exact way, you know, um, I didn't have generational wealth passed down to me per se, and, and you know, in the literal definition of it, my father was a was a man that with a lot of money, but he didn't manage it in a way where he was able to acquire assets and things like that to pass down to his children. So, you know, he didn't have the education that one sh you know one would have in order to structure those things properly. He just made a lot of money. He took care of his family. He made sure that everybody had a roof over their head and clothes on their back and food in their mouth and everything that they needed in the present. But as far as like setting up things that will benefit families for the generations to come, it just didn't happen. So I started to kind of go on this journey on how can I make that change? And what I found was that this stigma of generational wealth is something that is passed down, you know, in the truckloads was false and that there's so many things of value that you can pass down to your kids even if it's not valued immensely in dollars so i slightly disagree with you about your father passing down generational wealth because you and i see generational wealth slightly different and i think because your father did what he did and made the money that he did and was able to house you 
feed you and care for you. It allowed you to get an education. You had a home to live in. So that did the one thing that I talk to you quite often about. It gave you this freedom to explore life in a way that some people that are just surviving mm -hmm. don't have the opportunity to explore. So I feel like that is to me one of those non-tangible things that your dad gave to you. And I think about how when you worked with him, you saw the ways that he was managing his business. It like sparked this thing in you to figure out financial ways to improve upon business. But because you guys were working together and it started with the creation at home and your loyalty to him, you had this like freedom to explore that world. Not to say that it was easy, but you had it. And I almost kind of feel like that's generational wealth. He bred this environment that gave you that freedom. And I don't know what that's like. And I look at that and I'm envious because it gave you something. I feel like it gave you like a head start. Um, Somewhat. <clears throat> I can see why you find value in that. Yeah. And not to take away from that. And I know it's but not the traditional, but... In the aspect of, of how we're speaking about generational wealth, we're talking about passing some things, passing things on of value, right? Yeah. So my dad, in many ways, he, he taught me how to be strong, but not by teaching me, per se, but just by being who he is and me trying to find my way in life and using a lot of his actions as examples to make good decisions for myself yeah uh we never sat down and had like conversations about life and you know or in him trying to figure out some of the struggles that i was going through and help me navigate through them and pass on knowledge to me through you know through those one-on-one -on -one conversations you know he taught me a lot about the business that he that you know that mm -hmm. he he owned but he needed to because when i went to work for him again going back to what i was saying he knew how to work he knew how to do great business as far as person to person but as far as financial management yeah you know he always it's kind of suffering in that he area. always had somebody else doing that for him yeah you know he always was paying somebody to do it or had somebody else running his numbers and stuff like that so when i came to work with him i was at that time the first family member that took control of that and if i'm not no, you were the second. I was going to say the one with a college education. You and your brother. No, your so brother. I was the I was the first one from my father's side to ever graduate college to get a degree. Johnny. Johnny got himself a certificate. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I would consider him also educated. Yeah, no, he right? went to school and yeah. got himself certified, and I think that that's what that's what was that's the path that he chose to add value to his life, and mm -hmm. I don't think that. Um, I don't know if at that time the college degree was something that was of value per se. Yeah. So when I decided to go to college, you know, you know, it, that at that time, you know, getting a degree was very valuable. So it just yeah. turned out that he didn't have one. Um, that wasn't the route that he took, and because I took that route, I got to like carry that torch of like the, yeah. you know the first family member. But shout that, out to that, Johnny because Johnny's the one that took evil to see the school that he went to. Yeah, yeah, he's the one. He so he. <laughs> 
he went there, he got a certificate from there, and it just turned out that when I went there, they turned into a university, and so I was able to get a degree from there. Right. But yeah, it was a, it was because of him, because of his constant, always seeking me out, just wondering what I'm doing, always trying to get me to go places with him and stuff like that. Um, he's had me to take a ride with him to that pl- to university, and uh, and I ended up signing up. That's one of, dope. one of the best rides I've ever taken in my life. So yeah, thank you to thank you for that, Johnny. Um, but um. Yeah, so you know that's kind of like my gist on some of the things that one can do to pass on generational wealth to their children. You know, if they thought that they couldn't because they had this idea that it had to be some some you know juggernaut of a mm-hmm. of an inheritance. Know that it's not it's not it's not that. Um, and I just wanted to kind of shoot off a few a few ways to pass on generational wealth. Oh, okay. Um, you know, one is to write a will. Uh, for whatever it is that you have a value and just make sure that you write it in accordance to your state regulations so that that will stands up to whatever the law is in that state um, another thing is you know if, if you have a pretty sizable estate you know if you have some assets uh, set up a trust if you don't have one because a trust is going to be able to allow your family to inherit your assets without directly personally inheriting them um, if if anyone knows when you get a, when you inherit something but from you know by from somebody passing there is a uh, death tax that you get on that inheritance mm-hmm. so setting up a trust is one way to avoid that tax um, because you're not personally inheriting it. It, it it the trust inherit inherits it and you become a beneficiary of that there is a legal way to structuring that but that's just one way of doing it and if you haven't done that for you or your family that's one thing to look into um, another simple way of passing down generational wealth is just naming beneficiaries on your accounts. If you don't have a will, you don't have a trust set up, at the least put a beneficiary on your account. So that way it's not left up to probate if you pass. For those who don't know, probate is when you don't have a will, you don't have a trust, you don't have a beneficiary named on your account, you don't have anything as far as... When you say account, you mean bank account. Bank accounts, yeah. Financial accounts, investments accounts, anything that's financial that that has value to it. If there's no beneficiaries on the account, then it goes to probate. The state takes over it, and they have to decide who gets it, and that can just be a headache. And the bottom line is just to educate yourself. You know, educate yourself and do proper planning is the best way to is the best way to pass on generational wealth. I love that you said to educate yourself. I think it can be kind of hard for people who don't have the time to educate themselves so i would love to share some outlets that i seek on a i would say daily basis these two people come up on my feed quite often on tiktok and they help me better understand the world of finances so one of the people that i'm talking about from tiktok is glenda baker when she's talking about real estate she's not just specifically talking about it in Atlanta she talks about how real estate works as a whole her TikToks are so easy to understand and they're so digestible that I have learned so much when it came to interest rate what PMI means not to say that I didn't know some of that stuff before because even when I do own a home so we had to understand some of these terminologies but if I'm being 100% like open you kind of st- led that horse when it came to us buying the house because of Evo's investigating into the financial world having had ran a business 
and personally i mentally and physically like almost could not digest that information i had a lot going on with my career so mm. it was really hard for me to like understand that concept and, and, plus, I, and plus, I, plus i did i did mortgages for yes. for like a couple years so. so i will say that i entrusted in my husband at that time to steer us in the right direction and i did later on understand these terms but she really opens them up in a way where i feel like if you're going to buy a home for the first time or you further want to understand real estate or you really want to understand the world of just like home buying and like what that means and what that could mean for your family a lot of her tiktoks glenda baker on tiktok a lot of her videos are super helpful because right now we're living in a world where real estate is flipped upside down and it could be really hard to understand why the interest rates are so high why there aren't homes available what does that mean for the next generation so I think she is someone that you could look to that could maybe even start you off on your journey of understanding real estate and understanding home buying and then maybe you could find something else and you can kind of branch off of that. So she's like the, my, my number one. And like when we decided to talk about this, I knew I wanted to mention her. And then the second one is someone on TikTok also. I think they both have Instagram and TikTok, but I follow them on TikTok. Is a commercial banker and his their TikTok is actually Alexis and Dean. So it's his wife. She records him. The reason why she decided to do this when she realized that they would have these conversations about his financial world. And she said to herself, this information is so valuable. I want to put it out to the world so that people can benefit from it. And that's exactly what happened because one of the first videos that I watched of him was he was talking about how to use credit cards the right way. And I had credit cards for a very long time, but the way he explained it totally flipped my brain about how to use credit cards. And I then immediately implemented that and I'm already benefiting from cash back that and, I wasn't before. And you're already passing this information down to your children. children. Yes, because like I had like an understanding of credit, but I had an understanding of it the way that I saw it being done mm -hmm. from my father, which was basically you have a credit card and you pay it and you don't spend more than you can afford. And that's all I really understood. So that has kept me from accruing massive amounts of debt. Yes, but I never really understood how credit worked and how I could make it work for me. So Alexis and Dean on TikTok and um, Glenda Baker. Check them out if you want some financial literacy that will feel like a good starting point for you could you touch on some of the on one of the ways that you you helped our son with with their credit the first conversations that i started to have with him about credit were one i wanted to know if he was interested in getting a credit card um, because i think it's a big responsibility to understand credit i explained to him why it was important to have credit and fyi we're talking about our oldest son and i explained to him the benefits of credit why it's important to have credit because in the future if you want to make purchases that you need credit for it's better to start early to build your credit so are you interested in getting your credit card and he said no to me and i just made sure that throughout the following years i every now and then checked in and i was like hey they have this new credit card out it has this amount of percentage cash back and now they're also offering savings in conjunction with this credit card and this is what this can do for you so i was like always just kind of just dropping little hints at him about what credit could do for him how it could help him build for his future and how 
credit can make money for him for his future yeah so i would just drop these hints and then beautiful story he goes out and he decides to deep dive deeper into credit and what is the whole credit culture and the whole credit world to understand for himself and he went out and he got himself his first credit card and he then sent it to us in our family group chat and he said this is what i got and then we were like oh my god we're so proud of you and that same day i was like hey when you get home later today can we sit down and talk about what it means to have this card and i would love to know what the benefits are of this card we did that we had that conversation he then sent us more information about the cashback that he's getting and how he can use it and i was like you know what this young man understands credit we also had the conversation about how to manage it correctly with your checking and then i'm these are things that i've recently learned like in the last five years because these are not conversations that my parents had with me at all right so i'm i feel so fortunate that we're able to give it to our children at this time when they're just embarking on their credit journey because when i was his age i f my credit up real quick like from from jump i got a credit card and i was like five hundred dollars i'm maxing this out today because to me, I was like, oh, and then I'll just pay the minimum balance. And then it's kind of like I looked at it like it was layaway. Mm -hmm. That's not what credit is. And it will bite you back real quick. So that's been his journey. And I'm really excited to see where he goes forward with it. But I want to say that the first time that I realized how important generational wealth was, I was at work one day on set. And I was having a conversation with a young lady, young, young white girl. I would say, and I say young in comparison to me, she was in her late 20s, and we were talking about her working in the position that she was in, and I was like, oh, you know what got you into this? And she said that she went to school for film, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Where did you go? She went to Columbia. It's like, wow, that's a dream of a school. Um, what do you want to, you know, do you want to continue down this route that you're on? And she was like, I honestly don't know what I want to do. I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's rough. I could, I know that feeling of not knowing what it is that you want to do with your life. Um, she was like, but, you know, I'll figure it out eventually. I have some time. I was like, yeah, until those student loans get you. And she was like, oh, no, my parents paid for my education. And I remember... I felt like that scene from Fight Club when he was like, we have just lost cabin pressure. Because she had that one thing that I talk about all the time. She had freedom. Mm -hmm. She had financial freedom from her generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Her parents were able to provide her with something that gave her the freedom to explore life. And I remember just saying to myself, Wow, that's a beautiful thing, number one. Number two, how can I do that for my kids? I don't have the assets that her parents may have because I then I further into the conversation, I wound up that they lived in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So, like, I was nowhere near that. Mm -hmm. But I said to myself, how is it that I can set my kids up to have that same financial freedom? And I realized it was through knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that was the way that I was going to give it to them. So then when you asked me what it meant to have generational wealth i felt like if i educated myself on what it meant to have financial literacy 
I can then pass that on to my children. And sometimes I could be a little annoying about it, but I'm going to do it because I remember all the mistakes that I made if someone would have just said to me, hey, if you do it this way, you can prevent these mishaps. So I really wish that I would have learned these things earlier because I, once I was a young adult, when I was a young adult, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I could not think that far ahead. And because I couldn't think that far ahead, it took me until my late 30s, early 40s to really grasp the world of finances. And I don't know a lot, but I know so much more than I did 20 years ago. And I think that if my parents could have sat down with me and just gave me little snippets of even just how to like really use a credit card or really use a savings account or you know how to like maybe embark on purchasing a home other than just save your money mm-hmm. i think i would have potentially been in a different position oh absolutely so Building lasting wealth involves creating a plan for how it will be transferred and passed down to the next generation. So I feel like you and I are building a plan. And part of that plan was to buy this house. And I want to give credit to a couple people. So the first person is my aunt. And the reason why I say that is because when we decided to buy a home, she was the she was the only other person that we knew in our circle of family that owned a home. So she was the first person that we called. And we were like, we need a mortgage broker. She set us up with till this day, I think is the most bad ASS mortgage broker that not that I've met many mortgage brokers in my life, I but have. I've met a lot. Okay. So this man, Marvin Yeah, hats off to Marvin. Okay. Marvin Rosenberg took us from zero to 100 in baby steps, but never made us feel like we were stupid. He was just like, I'm going to make sure that you have all of the buying power that you should have to buy a home. So we are going to lift up every like rock to make sure that there's nothing wrong with you and Evo's financial history and we're going to put all your ducks in a row so when you're ready to buy, you're going to get what the hell you want. I, listen, what I, what I can say is that I've worked with a lot of mortgage, mortgage brokers and I've seen a lot of deals die at the table because of oversight. Correct. Um, whether, you know, for whatever it may be. And it was the first time in my life that any mortgage broker has ever said to any client, that I've ever seen, and in this case, to us, that we were going to be able to sleepwalk through our mm-hmm. closing. It was those were his literal words. He says, "Evo, you and your wife are going to sleepwalk through your closing, but you got to let me do what I do." And it took a while. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, we, we let him do what he does. I feel like it took eighteen months, almost two uh, years. It took. Well, it wasn't. No, no, we had we had to do some credit repair and stuff on our end. Yeah. Right? But it wasn't until um, after that that I felt like he should have gave us a pre-qualification to go look at a house. You know, he kept telling me, when I give you a pre-qualification, you can confidently go look at houses and know that when you pick a house, that's the house you're going to get. 
and we're going to sleepwalk through the closing. There's and not going to be no threats of hiccups and stuff like that. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. When yeah. I tell you we found a house and we closed in like exactly the time that they said we were going to close, mm -hmm. no hiccups. It wasn't like, oh, send us more of these documents, this, that. No, it was zero to 100 with this man. Still to this day, we've been in our house almost eight years. He still sends us emails and I will forever be thankful for him. So that's the second person. The third person is our realtor. Saeed. Yeah. And I can't even remember how we wound up upon him, but what I will say is this. He I know was how we wound up. Okay. He not that not that that's not valuable to the conversation, but I just want to say why I want to shout him out is because Saeed was a man of color, and one of the reasons why I love looking at homes with him is that he never made me feel like anything that I said or my wants or my needs were going to be ignored. And I never felt like he was going to stop us from looking in a neighborhood, in a place, or at a house that maybe wasn't where we should be. I felt so comfortable with him, and I feel like he really understood us. Because when we walked in this house, he turned and he looked and he went, this is it. Yeah, this is it. He was right. There was never no pressure from him as far as like, yeah. you know. So I mean, I would imagine that some realtors, they really want to close a deal. And they might try to like, you know finesse their client into like liking a, a property by pointing out lots of good things he never did any of that you know he's like this is it what do you, how you feel about it do you like it eh, it's all right all right well then this ain't it you know let's go and i tell i we looked at a lot of houses in a short amount of time and um you know he he worked around our schedule which which was great and showed us a lot of properties within a short amount of time with an immense amount of patience so that being said I wanted to give us and our audience some statistics because, you know, early in the episode I asked you, did you think that everyone who starts at zero starts the same? Okay. And so we also spoke about some of the ways that you feel like you can educate yourself, right? You can... Um, make some changes to your banking like put some beneficiaries you said some things that i thought were great but they were definitely like i don't want to say red flags but they made me think of this these statistics so the first one about making a beneficiary on your banking that's to say that someone actually has banking available to them or knows how to properly bank so according to a study from the Boston Consulting Group, about 47% of black and Latinx households were underbanked in 2021. If you have that much of a population in the black community underbanked, even the simple tools like compounding interest, and such as you spoke of as beneficiaries, and things that people... Um, and the things that people understand are not going to be readily available without these tools. It can be very difficult to help money grow and generate that kind of wealth and transfer it to future generations. When you say underbanked. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? There are many people in the black and Hispanic communities that are actually not well versed into how to properly bank. So they use other forms of banking such as um what are those things called because i used to use one check cashing places check cashing places and there was one other example and i forget it off the top of my head but it's 
an avenue where some people from these communities don't understand how to properly utilize a bank so they're using places like a check cashing place that's then applying fees on top of their money which then puts them at more of a disadvantage and if they then do bank these things such as compounding interest which you and I have spoken about but it's not something that a lot of people understand because like I said earlier my parents didn't tell me anything about money all I really knew was to save I didn't understand how to save with compounding with compounding interest well so even if you put your money in a bank that doesn't mean that that is going to afford you the opportunities to transfer generational wealth if you don't really understand the full grasp of how to bank properly so that's why it's saying that these communities are underbanked. Okay. I'm just referring to even if you have just a checking account okay. or, or, or a savings account. So this is probably going to be potentially information to people that people never knew. It, well, yeah, that's hence why I was giving the information. I know. So that's why I said that when you, you said, said that. it. You said it raised a red flag. Yeah, because when you said it, I was like, there are some people that probably don't even know that they can do that with their checking account. Thus, it leads right into the statistic of people in our communities being underbanked. They don't even understand the full privileges of their banks available to them. Okay. You get what I'm saying? I kind of. I just this term underbanked is new to me, so I'm okay. having a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around it. Well, I'm just, you know, you learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, an additional statistic that I wanted to share because we talked a lot about home buying is black homeowners also must contend with lower home values which can result in less profit for their home sales and put tools like home equity loans out of reach a 2021 brookings institute study estimates that black owned homes are undervalued by 23 percent for a total of 156 billion of lost wealth in the total across the united states black Black-owned homes are undervalued by 23%. So, I'm, okay, I'm just a bit confused by that statement. Because sure. black-owned homes, mm -hmm. it does, it's usually something like that is affected by the, the geographical location of the home. So you're, but the way that the, the way that the statement said it, just black-owned homes in general. Like if you just own a home and you're black, mm -hmm. your home's undervalued. Your home, listen to what it says. Are under black-owned homes are undervalued. So that means when you go, and then it says. Um, oh, so li okay. So no, to, yeah. you know what? I think I know what you're saying. I, I'm gonna let me finish what I'm saying, and then tell me if if I'm leading into what you think I'm saying. So. They contend with lower home values, which in result is less profit for home sales and tools like home equity loans. So when black homeowners are going to a bank mm -hmm. or to a place to potentially maybe pull out equity or to uh, maybe acquire some sort of loan, they're receiving home loan values 23% lower. Okay. I get what you're saying now. Yes. Okay. I did see something online where someone was was they recorded a video 
of them getting an appraisal on their home mm -hmm. and they basically de-blacked their house they mm -hmm. took down all their pictures and anything that in the house that represented their ethnicity mm -hmm. and or their race their race yes thank you and they s clearly stated i am doing nothing. They were, they were taking down anything in their home mm -hmm. that showed any representation of their race. And they said that the reason they were doing this was because when the appraiser came, they knew that there was a tendency to get a lower appraised value on your home if there were any signs of being black owned correct so aside from your statistic I have seen stuff on that online about something like that being true so that being said the journey of generational wealth is always going to be sadly still at this current day and age because these statistics were from 2021 which was only two years ago Still at this current day and age, that means that when a person of color is attempting to gain generational wealth, they, there are still roadblocks in play to prevent them from gaining generational wealth. So the work that they have to put in is going to be always harder. Right. This is true and it's very unfortunate, but keep in mind that there is, whether the home is appraised at $100,000 or whether the home is appraised at $50,000. The fact of the matter is that they're, they're, if they're passing it on to the next generation, mm -hmm. it, they're passing on just generational wealth. The, the, the issue that you're speaking about is an issue that's separately on its own a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but the ability to do so, just to be able to do these things, to pass on generational wealth, I think is, is, is very important. So, in, in, you know, it's unfortunate that you're, you know, that these dis disparities exist but I don't think that that should be a deterrent to say that you know like don't do it no I would agree I think you still should seek the avenues that could potentially put you in a position to gain generational wealth and put your pl put yourself in a place to give generational wealth whether it be in an asset or knowledge as we spoke yeah. but I will say I think it's bigger than it being unfortunate. Okay. So, well, for lack of a better term, you know, yeah, it's just the, just the way that I'm describing it. Um, it's like I said, it's that's a very, it's a big, big, very big problem. And I mean, there's obviously people have discovered ways around it. For example, the the the, the what I the way the example that I just described, which was somebody was taking down all of the stuff, so that there was no evidence that the home was black owned, so that it can be appraised. Mm -hmm. at a, on a, you know with an unbiased appraisal and then that person was actually getting the true value of their home yeah but so they found a way around it um but that's besides the point just the information that i was given was on a very basic level yeah for people who may have may feel like they have nothing to give mm -hmm. know that you do have something to give even if it's not to the degree which you think that it should be there is value in it, mm -hmm. especially if you instill value in it and pass it on. I still firmly agree with that. I just wanted to make sure that I make it a point to say, 
because since we were i said at the beginning that this is about generational wealth include with a focus on people of color that i don't think everybody who starts from zero has the same chances and because some of the people that start from zero their chances are harder it can very well likely prevent them from gaining general generational wealth as a whole because it can be such a deterrent that it will discourage someone to the point because they become so frustrated or feel so defeated at being able to overcome those hurdles where the person walking next to them that doesn't have those same uh, blockages is walking at a totally different pace than them. Right. Just, just to be clear, this statement never, ne never stated that they had, they have the same chances. What I stated is that they all start from zero. And again, like I said, I totally agree okay. on that. I just, and I just wanted to make clear that everybody knows that not everybody starts the same. If, if I could even put a, a visual representation to this, if anybody has ever seen this video that has circulated on, um on social media, on, 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 on the internet. It's a video where they line up a bunch of kids and they start to ask questions like, have you ever gone a, do you have both of your parents at home? If you do, step forward. And the kids that do, they step forward. And then the next question is, have you, are your parents still married? If they are, they step forward. Do one of or both of your parents have a college education? Then whoever had this has stepped forward. Have you ever gone a day without a meal? If you haven't, step forward. So they ask all these questions. And all these kids are the same age. And they all go to the same school. And at the end of the series of questions, they realize that even though they go to the same school, uh, they are the same age, they live a very different life and have very different advantages. And if you watch this video, the majority of the people in the back are coming from home are, are people of color and the majority of the people in the front were people that were white and they had a lot of the things they were able to answer yes to a lot of the questions so i feel like that's what i'm trying to um convey here not to say that you don't get that and i know you do but i just wanted to stress that point but can we can we agree that anything that was ever created started from zero yes and i i said multiple times that i agree with you on that okay okay i just wanted to be sure so, um, that's what I have to add. And I would just like to say that I am a 43-year-old woman that was a single mother, had two kids by the age of 22, knew nothing about financial, like I had no financial literacy other than don't spend more than you make, which did help me because I, I learned how to budget very well. And, I'm, and I'm, I consider myself pretty good at that. So that's a good starting point. So if you ever feel like passing on generational wealth to your children seems like such a, such an, a, a, a huge mountain to climb, just know that I started at zero. And I was able to work my way through. It took some time, but I feel like I'm there and I'm passing on this, this knowledge. And we hope to pass on actual assets. So I want that for my community. So, that brings us to the end of the episode. We're going to the cards? We're going to the cards. All right. By the way, I hope you guys like my new stickers. <laughs> <laughs> That's me healing my um, inner child. Because uh, if anybody knows anything about Lisa Frank, I wasn't getting none of them stickers. So, now I give myself all the stickers. <laughs> uh. I think... 
I don't know who went first last time, so. Oh. You, you go first. If you could have a magic wand, what would you want more of in your life? Oh. I'm sorry. What would you want more of in your sex life? Sorry. I left that <laughs> that important detail out. If I could have a mag if I had a magic wand, yes. what would I want more in my sex life? Let me get out my notepads real quick because I'm gonna take some <laughs> notes. <laughs> what would I want more of? You would think that I would have it, but I don't because this is gonna sound fucking cheesy, but I'm very well satisfied in that area. Um more of You know you really haven't expressed anything any desires or anything for a very long time outside of where things are right now i know that's why i'm like what maybe maybe like 10 years ago i'd be like well you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> what what do i want more of um what do i want more what do i, want? I don't want to make this too long maybe i know what you would want more of tell me because honestly i don't really have anything and i know people are gonna be like Shut the hell up. It would be nice to to have more of just one-on-one, -on -one, like alone. Oh, yes. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes, alone time. Because we, like, live in... I, if we saw this episode by saying there's, like, six <laughs> of us in this house. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. You are 100% <laughs> right. Like, just you and me. That's it. Yeah. Not nobody else for miles around. And that's very PG. I like that yeah. answer. But but it's the truth. On a scale of 1 to 10, how messy are you to live with? On a scale of 1 to 10, how messy am I to live with? I'm going to put myself... I'm going to put myself at like a 3. I'm not I'm not a neat freak by far. I'm not super organized. But I wouldn't say I'm like the messsiest person on the planet. Mm. I was going to give you a 4. Okay. Listen, so you know we're, yeah, we're right, right, We're right there. Alright, cool. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed... Um, our conversation today until our next Friday on Spark Talk Fridays where we're having conversations about life. Peace out. Peace out.